we left them to die. That thought still lingered in my mind hours later. The evening was quiet, with nothing to distract me from it, save for the persistent splashing of oars as we put out further to sea. Several days ago, we received orders to reinforce the Roman garrison in Britannia. We were the closest unit to the coast where a small flotilla could ferry troops to the island. Various tribes attacked northern outposts and farmlands, prompting the provincial government to dispatch an entire legion in response. Their objectives were to drive back the barbarians and destroy their villages, thereby strengthening imperial control of the island and more land for our people to settle. Between the legionaries and supporting forces, the expedition north totaled over 8,000 fighting men. After several successful engagements, the legion advanced further north and their reports became less frequent. When his own riders did not return and the weeks wore on, the governor sent pleas to the mainland for additional troops. There were not enough ships to send our entire legion at once. The flotilla would ferry two cohorts across at a time, taking any wounded back with them as they returned to pick up the next wave. The ships were stripped down in terms of oars, reducing speed but allowing for more legionaries aboard. My unit was part of the first group across, with the ships reaching the British coast around midday. We expected to see refugees waiting for us on the shore or at least men of the garrison assembled to greet the legatus when we disembarked. At worst, we expected to see soldiers fighting with their backs to the sea if the barbarians made it this far south. But instead, the beach was empty. The only sign of life was a tiny boat being rowed out toward the flagship. At this distance, I could only make out a few people aboard. Some of the soldiers glanced at each other as the boat pulled alongside and the ladder was thrown down. As they climbed, we could now see the boat carried four people. A man, a woman, and two children. One of the children seemed to have more difficulty with the ladder, a soldier even having to carry him once on board the ship. By their clothing, distinctive even a few ships away, it was safe to assume this was the governor's family. If the clothing didn't give him away, his confident stride to Legatus, lead Centurion, and the ship's commander did. My men started talking amongst themselves as the group on the other ship had what appeared to be an animated discussion. I sighed and several of the legionaries swore as a purse was shoved into the Legatus's hands. Money and his family... Of course, that's what made it off the island. I turned my gaze back to the coast, still not seeing any sign of life on the shore. Some miles back, smoke from burning and burnt-out fires could be seen. Was the capital destroyed, or was the garrison still fighting and signaling for help? It didn't matter, though. New orders soon arrived. We were to turn the ships about and make for the mainland at once. Several of the men looked to me with disappointment, frustration, and anger. A look I could only return. I was only an optio, 
second to the Centurion aboard our ship. Even if I could convince him, we still had the Legatus and overall naval commander now intent on leaving Britannia to its fate. Our relief force consisted of ten warships bearing over 1,200 infantry and archers. We came with all possible speed as soon as the governor's message arrived. All of this to save four people. A sudden change in the ship's speed and the sound of shouting brought me out of my thoughts and back to the present. Looking up, I could see several officers gathering near the bow and moved to join them. As I approached, I could make out one of the ship's crew waving torches to signal the ships ahead of us. We were part of the third and final line as our small fleet left Britannia behind. I gave a quick salute as the ship's commander, Marcellus, explained the flagship directly ahead of us was slowing down and the oars splashing erratically. He ordered his crew to slow to half speed to avoid a collision. The crewman, signaling, shouted something I couldn't make out and ran over to our small assembly. And a response? Marcellus asked. No, sir, the crewman responded, shaking his head. They haven't signaled back, but part of the deck is on fire. The commander pushed past them, turned back to us, and immediately issued a flurry of orders to his crew. Flavius, our centurion, nodded and I set off to prepare our men. I made my way along the deck, waking any soldiers still sleeping through the commotion. Few needed to be. Most were either on watch, already woken by the shouting, were barely standing from nauseousness. Many of our men had never been on a ship this large or for this long before, and now they might need to fight a battle on one. Two crewmen who had rushed past me were now waving torches on both sides of the ship. They must be relaying the same order to slow down to the other commanders in the line, or at the very least, prepare for battle. Another crewman, joined by several legionaries, had loaded the ship's ballista, and they were swinging it towards the bow. The few archers we had took their positions behind the infantry, shields offering some protection if the enemy came up alongside. I was on the way back toward the bow when a brilliant glow lit the darkening sky. Quickly stepping past the men, I could now see the sail had unfurled and caught fire. In the new light, Hand-to-hand combat could be seen on the deck as the flagship began a slow left turn. The water surrounding the ship was illuminated, as were the dozens of men who had either fallen or jumped into it. Splashes erupted as more men hit the water and oars slammed into it. The oars were moving erratically, as Marcellus observed earlier. Some rowers were either still struggling to keep the ship moving, where the fighting reached below deck as well. Withdraw oars, he bellowed as I approached, the crew frantically maneuvering the ship as soldiers steeled themselves for what lie ahead. Centurion Flavius countered that there were men in the water, our men, and they could at least grab hold of the oars until we pulled them aboard. The commander nodded and reversed his last order. He would issue new orders though, the second we were at risk of hitting debris or colliding with an enemy vessel. 
I looked at the inferno when he mentioned enemy forces. The flagship was at the center of the flotilla's formation. We assembled and set sail as soon as we could board, without time to affix any legion insignia. How was that the only ship attacked? And how, with no enemy craft in sight? Felix? I turned and saw Flavius trying to get my attention. I'll take the left side, you take the right. Have the men use ropes in their javelins. Save as many as you can. I sprinted to take my position and could see at least two dozen men in the water, closing fast. Some shouted for help, some thrashed wildly against the current, and others floated face down, drowned, or killed in the fighting. We'll never know. Using light from the fierce flames as a guide, we threw ropes to the desperate and yelled for the survivors to make for their ship's oars. We were not marines. Who knows how many of them even knew how to swim? We could only hope that some could cling to the oars before the current took them and use javelins and other pole arms to help them to the deck. There was less hope for those just kicking and punching the water furiously. They could barely keep above water, let alone bring themselves closer to the ship. But still, some managed to grab hold of the oars and started to be brought aboard. Rowers came up from below with more rope, tying better knots than my legionaries could, and gave those who couldn't swim a fighting chance. Flavius and his men did the same on the other side, and the sound of nearby horns gave us hope. The other ships in line could save those men who could swim or were carried toward them. The water was becoming darker, and survivors harder to make out though. The flagship continued to drift further away, and some of its burning hull was breaking off into the sea. As two legionaries pulled another bleeding man onto the deck, I turned to the archers standing ready behind me. Still, no sign of the enemy and we could barely see the water below in the growing darkness. Get a torch, ignite your arrows and light that up, I ordered before turning to the growing line of survivors lying in the center of the deck. I heard the cry of the archers as several orange streaks soared above, illuminating the ship and water around it, even for just a few seconds. A few more volleys might just save a few more lives. Kneeling down, it was apparent few of the Romans we pulled from the water had survived. Some had succumbed to blood loss, from wounds in the earlier fight, or the desperate attempt to get on board. Crewmen were already carrying some below so that they could receive proper funeral rites ashore. Did they say what happened out there? I asked two of the soldiers tending to a wounded man, unconscious but alive. No, sir. One said, shaking his head. Most were pretty torn up. This one just kept repeating. His son was sick over and over before he passed out. I nodded, telling them to do what they could before turning back to the rescue effort. My men were now yelling to those below, trying to calm them down. Panic must have taken a hold of them being in the water for so long. I looked over the side and could see men fighting in the water, 
punching and kicking, almost drowning each other as they tried to reach the safety of the ship. And then a loud cry from one of the legionaries drew my attention, as he and his javelin flew over the side, pulled by the very men he was trying to rescue. He let out a few more cries between gulps of water, barely visible as he was drawn into the group thrashing below. Flavius, we can't keep this up much longer. I yelled, hoping he heard me over the mounting alarm. Another volley of arrows streaked overhead, giving us the light we needed, but instilling how much more fear in those still in the water, unsure of what hell awaited them above. More surprised cries, this time from the ship's crew on Flavius' side. I turned around just to see one of them tackled by a man who had just been pulled aboard, the rope still tied to his torso. The crewman howled in pain as the man, drenched and covered in blood, bit just above his shoulder. Another member of the crew pulled on the rope, trying to pry the two apart, but was only met with a snarl before the man lunged at him. The crewman tried stepping back, holding the rope as a means to defend himself. As the madman lunged, Flavius drew his sword and slashed him across the back. We all stood in shock as he didn't cry out in pain or drop to the ground from the impact, merely turning around to see what had hit him. And I caught a glimpse of his eyes. They seemed completely white and had a glow to them in the moonlight. With the distraction, the crewman took his chance to escape and quickly turned to run away. He still held the rope and the sudden pull drew this thing's attention back to him. It lunged again, and before Flavius or the others could strike, fell with the crewman down to the rowers and banks of oars below. Flavius barked out a command and several legionnaires made for the stairs to get below deck. Another knelt to the first injured crewman and attempted to stop the bleeding. Behind him, a distant orange glow lit up the sky, some of the water beyond. The flagship was still burning, adrift, and now almost parallel to our line. I grabbed one of the ship's officers still staring at his dying comrade. Go find your leader, I demanded, spinning him to face me. We need to get this ship back to the fleet. We can't stay here. He stumbled off toward the bow to find Marcellus. Once the soldiers dealt with the lunatic below, we could have the rest of the crew man the oars and start moving. But something wasn't right though. They only brought four people, two of them children aboard. Not like spies slipped through a crowd in the planned evacuation. What the hell happened? I turned back to the sound of a pained cry coming from my side of the ship. Crewmen were pulling ropes to haul the last man out of the water. Who knows how many are still out there, but at this rate, we'll lose more men in the attempt. The gods will judge us all the same. Rushing over to help, I realized it's the soldier being rescued who is crying out. The others in the water are clawing at him, their attempts to pull him back worse than the current itself.
One got a hold of his leg, and he dropped back to the surface. The soldier kicked the man's arm away as more swarmed in. Four of us now pulled on the rope, but not before one of the desperate things sunk its teeth into the legionary's already bleeding leg. It reached up, trying to pull him further down. As the others looked up toward their prey, in this frenzied struggle, I noticed again the eyes. They were white like before, as if they had completely rolled back, almost glowing from the moonlight. These were not our men. Not anymore. The soldier next to me swore as he took one hand off the rope. He grabbed the javelin on the deck next to him and threw. It connected with the thing, tearing through the weak armor beneath the shoulder. Like the one before, it didn't cry out in pain, but the impact was enough for its jaw to slacken and release the legionary's leg. The creature's jaw lost its grip, but its arm did not. Its weight, though, still in waterlogged armor, brought the thing crashing back into the water. As it fell, the impaled javelin severed the limb at the shoulder. Four of us back on the rope, we pulled our man up and onto the deck before more could strike. The creature's arm made a soft splash as it hit the sea, followed by gnashing teeth as its brethren fell on it. As the others tended to the rescued, but dying soldier, I ordered that not another was to be brought back on board. No one argued or hesitated as they untied or cut any rope still over the sides, and I made my way to the back of the ship checking for more. Felix! I turned as Flavius and his crewmen came up. I checked with the crew. The others aren't responding to our signals. He nodded in the direction of the ship off to our right. If the current carried these things, they were brought aboard like we did here, I murmured. Is there any way we can contact the units in front? I asked the question louder, but to no one in particular. Surely the first line of ships had seen the inferno behind them, and at least slowed down enough for us to rejoin. With no answer, I again resolved that we needed to get the ship moving, away from these demons, and back to the remainder of the fleet. Why hadn't Marcellus given the order yet? We could hear the things louder now, thumping against the hull, either trying to fight their way in, or now too close for the current to take them away. The other soldiers seemed to notice that too, but it wasn't just alongside the ship. The clamor seemed to be even under our feet. I know these crafts were supposed to be shallow, but it seemed as if some of them were dragged underneath. And... Realization setting in, I drew my sword and took off for the stairs leading below deck, the group falling in step behind me. Flavius shouted to the men ahead of us, for them to hold the stairs leading up to the bow. Did your men ever come back up? I asked him as we neared the opening. In response, a young soldier came scrambling up the stairs, crashing onto the deck from either fear or unsteady feet still not used to the sea. His sword clattered and slid out of reach, but he was still able to roll over and raise his shield. Stumbling after him came one of these demons, 
an oarsman from his bloody tunic. Its one eye, milky white, was set only on the soldier as it advanced on him. With a grunt, I grabbed it by the shoulder and drove my gladius through its heart. But that was a mistake. It took a step back from the blow and looked down at my sword hilt, then back up at me. I saw then from the torn muscle dangling from its other socket, the eye probably rolling around the ore banks below. Its remaining eye was in contrast with the deep black liquid oozing from its mouth and the gaping hole where most of the other shoulder used to be. There was no emotion, no recognition across what remained of its face. Fear, anger, pain, suffering, there was nothing there. I can only tell in that moment that it only moved to kill us. In that same moment, thankfully only one, a glint flashed before my eyes the handle of a dagger now protruding from its forehead, and the thing collapsed into a heap. I stumbled backward, half from shock and half from the arm pulling me. I instinctively reached for my empty sword sheath and took a few seconds to recognize the soldier who had grabbed me. Two more charged past, shields locked in front of them, just as another of the dead men reached the top of the stairs. With the familiar crack of breaking bone, one bashed it with his shield, and we heard the sounds of it falling below. Regaining my composure, little there was, I looked at the young legionary who escaped just as we arrived. How many more of them? I asked, not even trying to hide my question from the others. And he just shook his head, saying it was only two to start but more kept coming. He wasn't sure how many more soldiers went down there with him, but most had fallen before he made his escape. Another creature made its way up the stairs, and one of the soldiers instinctively stabbed at its chest, just as I had. It lunged at the gap between him and his shield, but the third legionary had come up and impaled the thing's head with his javelin, using it as a spear. He kicked the demon's now lifeless, or rather, motionless body in the chest, and it too tumbled to the lower deck. We posted five men at the staircase to ensure that they could cover each other and buy the rest of us time to react. They would form a shield wall and kill the things with a javelin thrust to the head. Our short swords put us at too much of a disadvantage. I took a quick survey and saw we had about two dozen men on this side of the ship, most of them legionaries, but a few of the archers and the ship's officers could guard the opening as well. Flavius had one of the officers go check on the other stairway and get a tally of their men. Altogether, just over fifty of us. Only another hour or so the sun would rise then we would have a better chance of seeing or signaling the rest of the fleet, or at least plan our own way back to the mainland. We were outnumbered and alone, but with the narrow stairs now secured, we could contain these demons long enough to destroy them. Flavius had some of the men search the deck for any spare weapons and arrows. They would also look for more torches and fuel to light the area until sunrise 
so that we could dispatch these things back to hell. With a thunderous crash, we had all the light we needed. Everyone's attention turned as we saw another ship engulfed in flames. The flagship must have completed its arc and collided with another of the third-line ships, driving right through its center. I could only hope the men aboard were already dead. Some of our men fell on unsteady feet from the blast, but quickly regained their footing. Fortunately, the creature ascending the stairs tripped in that moment as well, not able to lunge at our disoriented line. Taking no chances, the soldier closest pulled his foot back, and another drove his shield down to remove the thing's head from its torso. Meanwhile, near the bow, the collision was enough of an opening. There were screams of pain, soon followed by shouting and the weapons impacting armor. Some of the fallen soldiers must have joined the ranks of these things below. Flavius acted quickly, taking several men with him to secure the stairwell. We hadn't the strength to fight them in the open. Three of the things came hobbling towards us from the other side of the ship, silhouettes against the burning wreck behind them. Archers, I roared as arrows already flew toward the advancing threat. Two of their heads snapped back immediately on impact and fell motionless on the deck. The arrows stood as makeshift standards, claiming their bodies for Rome. The third struck in the neck, with that black ooze seeping from the wound, but barely lost a step as it continued towards us. The archer quickly knocked with another arrow, this time igniting it on a nearby torch. It hit the former crewman in the chest, its tunic covered in blood and this liquid now seeping from its mouth and neck. After a second, the dead crewman continued towards us, and it was now in flames. The archers sent off another volley, and it fell on the deck. Either their shots connected, or these things were weak to fire. Were we still on land, lighting the entire horde up to test that would be my next order. Two more soldiers ran up and put out the flames before the entire ship went up. The archers had bows half-drawn ready to cover them. Hoping there was still a fleet out there, I had the remaining crew do what we should have done ten minutes ago. Provided these things could not climb walls, destroying the stairs to the lower deck was our only chance of surviving until dawn. Flavius did the same to the other stairwell having regained control of the bow at the cost of half of his men. We could climb down ropes, of course, but it would leave us vulnerable to these things before we even touched the lower deck, and we didn't have enough ammunition above deck to take them out in detail. Without a strong wind, we would never see land again. Fortunately, dawn eventually came, and we could see four Roman sails approaching. The things below made significantly less noise, either giving up without a way to reach us, or less active during the day. With the fleet and a chance of rescue approaching, I didn't give a damn either way. One of the ships came alongside, retracted half of its oars as its bow broke through ours. It knocked most of us off our feet, but there was no other way to get close enough to board. 
they lowered a ramp and kept their ship steady long enough to get our survivors aboard. All 33. We then turned to join what remained of the relief force, leaving our listless ship and the two smoldering wrecks behind. Upon finding our new ship's commander and its centurion, Flavius asked about the remaining three vessels and just how many survived. Your men are the only living ones we've found so far, the ship's commander answered as the sound of a ballista roared behind us. I nodded solemnly, both from the number of casualties and knowing so many of my friends and comrades. Demons they now were would never be seen by their families again. Flavius and I didn't even look back as another bolt was fired into our ship, ensuring it would take these things with them to the bottom of the sea. Commander, I started after a moment. Were the other ships destroyed as well? All but one, he said, looking at a map in front of him. We caught sight of it again this morning, and it did not appear to have any living on board. Then we must go after it, I said quickly. If that ship reaches the coast... The commander held a hand up and shook his head. It's already far off, and we're overloaded and undermanned. Our priority now is to get back to your legion and word to Rome. Where is... I started to interrupt, but Flavius grabbed my arm. With the current winds, it'll drift out to sea and likely be destroyed in a storm. The commander continued, even if it did come ashore, I'm sure the barbarians would tear even these demons, as you call them, to pieces. These things might even take a few of the savages out for us, right? Said one of the nearby officers, smiling. Where? I repeated angrily. The ship's commander sighed and flipped the map around toward me. Gaul, 